What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Bread to Build podcast, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. My name is Brett Gowen. I'm the founder of Hammer and Builders of Insta, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Pinella. Welcome back to another episode, episode 19. My name is Matt Pinella, also known as Matt Bangswood, carpenter and YouTuber from Central California. Today, we're hopping on with Lydia Crowder, also known as Drywall Shorty. Uh, welcome to the show, Lydia. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you <laughs> pronounced that right here. too. Is it Crowder? Yes, you did. That was perfect. We nailed it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, excited to have you on the show to jump into your uh, journey. My dad is a drywall subcontractor, so it's going to be nice to kind of hear how you got into the trades and uh, takes me back to some of the roots. Definitely. I had, that's really cool that your dad was a drywaller. Is he still in the field? Is he still working? He is. He is. Yeah. He's uh, getting pretty close to retirement, so only doing some jobs here and there, but, uh, yeah, that was a lot of my journey, whether it was yeah. picking up scraps, sweeping floors, or I wouldn't say I could tape. Let's just put it that way. Oh, I was killer at spotting screws. Yeah. And, and probably <laughs> making lunch runs. Lunch runs too. Yeah. yeah. We did pack a lot of lunches though as well, oh, nice. but, uh, yeah. was also really good at sitting on the, uh, the lunch box. <laughs> and eating lunch too. So that sounds about right. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, let's jump into your background before we really start and uh, get into the depth of everything. Um, to kick off the episode, uh, tell us a little bit about you, where you're from, what you do, and then we'll dive in. Definitely. So I am from Bozeman, Montana, and I am a drywall contractor. I started when I was, let's see, 18. So I'm going to be going on 19 years this spring. Uh, I started with my dad. He has a drywall company and I would kind of like help when I was young, do pickup stuff and went to college for a semester, partied way too much, flunked out and was like, what am I doing with my life? So um, my dad needed help and he offered me a job and he did not let me off easy. He made sure I did all of the grunt work and all of the stuff nobody wants to do. And then my roommate at the time worked for my dad and my cousin worked for my dad. So it was a really great group to be kind of involved with. And then when I met my husband, I got him a job also. So we had been dating for about, I want to say a year. He needed a job. So I asked my dad and he almost fired him. I want to say about five times. I had to talk him out of it like multiple times like that. It's okay. <laughs> so then the two of us um, have worked together for like uh, 17 years. So we work together and there's the two of us that work. And then we finish about 70 houses a year between the two of us. Holy wow. The dynamic duo. Yeah. 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 It's, we have a really good system now. It took us a while to get there, but we're, we're good now. So is your, is your father still in the field? He is. Yeah, he is. He does, um, smaller stuff. He's doing kind of like smaller pickup remodels. Um, and then we will actually come in and subcontract for him occasionally if there's a job that's too big and he just can't handle it. So, um, so we have a big to, one coming up for him. Yeah. You get to work around each other still sometimes. Yeah. Oh yeah. We talk at least a couple of times a week, just kind of like you know, job site gossip, or I'm like, Hey dad, I got this super cool tool. He stole my plane X. I can't get it back from him. Like, I'm like, dad, I let him borrow it once. And I ask him like every week and he's like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get it back to you. No, that's awesome. It's, it's, it's gone. It's gone. What, what was it that you were going to college for? Um, I don't know. I was going to college because everybody else was going to college. You're going to college why. to party, Lydia. Yeah, I was actually. Yeah. <laughs> 
So you, what, didn't, you didn't know what you were going to do. You kind of just. No, no. Not everybody was, everybody was going to college. I yeah. mean, like yeah, in our yeah. senior hall, in our high school, there was a big list and there was a list of everybody's names and every college they were going to. And I was like, well, fine. I guess I'll go to our local college here is Montana State University. Great school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enrolled there and moved out of my house and then moved in with um, my roommate who worked for my dad too, was my cousin's best friend. So it was just kind of like, he just had an open room and it was perfect. And then, yeah, went to college for a semester and drank and partied and never went to class and wasted like four grand. So what was the final kicker? Was, uh, was your, was your pops just like, Hey, you're, you're coming out or were you just like, yeah, this is not what I want to do. You know, I think it was more of, it wasn't what I wanted to do. I was also working. So I had worked all the way through high school, like uh, retail jobs. And then I got into, um, was at the same place and they wanted me to start working at 5am and I was like 18. And I was like, no, not, not working at 5am. I'm not going to school. I'm staying up until like three o'clock in the morning. And it was just kind of, everything was just stupid. So I just decided to, to scratch it and start over. So was, was there a point in time where you kind of knew that drywall was what you were going to stick to? And that was like, when, when did that click for you? Cause I know it's different for everybody. When did it click? Like, yeah. this is my career. So I would say I really, really started taking it super seriously within probably the last 10 years. Cause when I started with my dad, it was serious. Like, you know, I, I worked hard. I knew what I was doing. Um, I was learning and, and training and then also training new employees, but I think when you own your own business and you're your own boss, it's different because when you're an employee, you can kind of like make your own rules. You can, yeah. I mean, you can take time off. There's more. Say. It's yeah. not as, as strict. Yeah. And then when you own your own company and it's your business, then it's like, okay, now time to get like really, really serious about stuff. And, but I don't, I think I loved it from when I started. It's just super physical. You come home and you know, you've worked really hard. Um, and there's just so much gratification that comes along with it, knowing that you come back to a job and it looks pristine and the homeowners are happy and yeah, I've just always seen it as creating people's spaces instead of just a job. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty rewarding career path. Yeah. So extremely. You, you've been out on your own for about 10 years now. Uh, longer than that. We actually went out in 2008, like right when everything crashed, which was really wow. stupid. So yeah. How was, how was that to go through? Uh, we actually didn't do it for about a year. Everything just stopped here completely. We went from, you know, everybody was building like 30 homes a month to there were like two houses built like every three months. So yeah, Ryan actually went to school, um, for about a year. And then I actually worked in insurance for about a year. And then we were both like, it was probably the most miserable year of my life. I just wanted to get back to drywall and construction and things started to pick back up and we both quit our jobs and, or he quit going to school and got, um, started picking up work as a contractor, as a drywall contractor. And then I quit and was like, screw this. I hate this. And we just went back to doing drywall again. That's a rough time to start. 2008 was a a different, different time to work. Yeah. That was a dumb time to start. Honestly, it was looking back. It was like, we should have been like, no, but we were young and dumb and yeah. It's a good test though. You made it out. Yeah. Yeah, we did. And I think we both have a deeper appreciation also for our jobs because we were both young when we started. And, you know, I think I was like, oh, working in an office would be fun. And working in insurance is horrible. And I never want to set foot in an office again. And like, it's just not for me. 
what kind of insurance were you selling? Uh, just like State Farm. Okay. So I had all my licenses and then you just sit there at a desk and talk to people all day and it's, yeah, it's miserable. Same office, same desk, same place, same everything every single day. I, don't I will say I they're killer at branding though. The only yeah, thing that I are. can think about right now is Jake from State Farm. such a good commercial that could have been you all right one thing that you said when we're opening up with the podcast you said 70 homes how did you get there it's a lot of work it's just how the market is here right now you just got to move um we obviously you're in bozeman montana and clearly things have changed a lot over the last several years Yeah. So things even before that, so back when I started in 2003, um, we were still moving a good amount of homes. We did one subdivision out here. Um, we did almost all the houses, big customs had a good builder that we were working with. And then we've done some large commercial jobs and then was super busy back then too. Cause we're, it's always been busy here. There's not enough contractors and there's too much work. So pretty much you can stay very busy, but, um, yeah, we started, we were doing a bunch of triplexes on our own, just Ryan and I, and the builder had the tightest time schedule ever. You had, I think it was two weeks to do a whole triplex, but they were huge. They were vaulted, three bedrooms, big stairwells. And if you were not done, they were coming in after you or on top of you putting in floors. So it was super stressful and we just could not keep up on our own. So what we did is we started subcontracting. So when we subcontracted, the guy we were subcontracting through would just feed us tons of work. So we just got in a really good rhythm of just like coming in and tape top coat skim on the next one, tape top coat sim on the next one. So typically it takes us about like four days to do a house. So we'll come in, we'll tape it, then we'll top it and then we'll skim it and then we'll sand it and texture it and then off to the next one. And that's with two people. Yep. Two of us. Shit, they're doing something we, wrong in California. There's like nine <laughs> of them here and it takes them two weeks. We have, we have a really good system down with the two of us. We know exactly what we're doing. We come in, we've been doing it so long. We know exactly what to look for, what to do. So we, we walk in, we look at the job. We find out where water is first because water is super important. So we either need to find a water source that's close to like a vacant house or something, or we'll get it from home. And then we set up our like mixing station refill and cut everything out that's busted and then turn right around and tape. Sounds like you're a well-oiled machine. I've yeah, done yeah. very little drywall in my life and that shit is an art form. I, I don't know how you do it. I've watched a million videos that you've put out and they're freaking insane. So props to you guys. That's awesome. Thanks. It's just time. It's just, it's one of those trades. You have to have a lot of time in it to be good at it. Some people are naturally very good at it. Um, and other people really have to work at being somewhat decent at it yeah i that brings up a lot of memories <laughs> around trying the taping thing Just yeah <laughs> could not get it <laughs> it's um awesome. it's Spot really nails. artsy yeah yeah it's it's like kind of artsy it's kind of like an it art is. form honestly kind of mm-hmm. like the whole texturing and everything too yeah well you have to have an eye for it because mm-hmm. if you get too um, linear with textures your eye will go and pick out every single line in the texture so it's definitely um more of an organic trade that makes sense absolutely i just buy Um, little cans from home depot and just spray it on 
a little, I think it's home ex or something, right? You shake them up and they go yeah. Yeah, do a little splatter. Yeah. Splatter the shit all over the wall and then rub <laughs> yeah. it down if you want to. That bangs hey, drywall. That's not a good, not a good ring. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I want to dive into a topic. We we've talked about women in the trades previously on the podcast, uh, pretty lightly, but I wanted to bring it up. You're obviously a woman in the trades and I'm really just curious to kind of learn and hear about others experiences. What, what's kind of been your journey so far navigating the, the industry, like any obstacles that you've had faced being a woman in the workplace? What's that journey been like for you so far? Yeah. So I was really lucky. I had a great group of guys to learn from and to learn the trade from. They were all fantastic. They, um, it was more of a learning crew, the the crew that I was on. So they were really good about teaching and then they were always very respectful and would listen. And, um, it was just, it was so good. It was such a good crew. And I don't know, no, I still would have stuck with it, but I feel really lucky that I had such a good, like, group around me that was patient and caring. And we kind of all treated each other like family. Like we were all, you know, friends and hung out after work. Um, so I feel really lucky with that, but there's also been times where people just don't know who, like I come on site and they automatically assume, Oh, you're just Ryan's wife or, Oh, you brought your help today. I hear that all the time. That one's constant. And I think one thing that happens a lot is being a woman on the job, you just are automatically assume that you're just there to help or to just kind of like assist instead of actually do the hard stuff. And what's happened is we have builders that we've done a lot of work for and they know us and they know me and they know Ryan and they can trust us and they'll come to me and they'll, I've finally like built up this rapport that they know that I know what I'm talking about and they can trust me. So that's been huge, but there's, it's definitely different when you're a woman and walk on site, people are more like, mm, not as quick to trust you or ask you questions or just kind of like assume that you're just there to help. Do you, do you feel, I know, I know it still happens like to this day. Um, I've, I've seen it a lot on social, but do you feel like it's yeah. getting progressively better? Like I it, do. It, it's, yeah. It's becoming more acceptable. Uh, that's, yeah. That's good I, to hear. It's, it's always kind of been like that, that stereotype that it's, it's not doable. And it completely is there. There's a few women in the workplace here around here and they kill it with everything they do. And it's kind of just been a learning curve, especially with the older generation um, to one, accept it and to kind of adapt. But I'm, I'm glad to hear it's coming around. Yeah. You know, the trades are having a moment right now. Number one, we're having a moment of people retiring. There's so yeah. many people there's, a lot of older guys like my dad and guys that worked with him. I mean, all these older gentlemen are that are in their 60s and 70s are leaving. And what's hard is I feel like some of them are so stubborn and so stuck in their ways. Like they just won't listen or they won't accept anything new. And they're like, yeah, you're doing it wrong. But the thing is with drywall, especially there's like a bazillion different ways to do it right. I can come in and do it one way and another guy can do it another way. And they're both correct. So I really hope that this generation that's coming up, that's our age and younger has more acceptance and more, more just sharing knowledge because the old guys don't share anything. They just tell you you do it wrong and then they just walk off. And what it's done is it's created like a super secretive trade and everybody's so confused because all they know is from the guy that taught them. And it's just so, there's so many places to grow. And I really hope with 
involving women in the trade and then involving younger people in the trade that things really start to open up and people start trying different things in different ways. You mentioned innovation. That was something I wanted to bring up today. You have an amazing following on Instagram. I've, I've seen a million videos you put out and there's always these different tools that you're using for different applications. Has it given you a platform where you're able to try like the latest and greatest to see like what's out there? Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's always companies that are wanting to send you products. I have one coming up um, the end of this month that's totally new and totally different product. And I'm so excited for it that the guy that invented it is a drywaller and he runs like 70 to 90 taping crews, I think, uh, like at a time. Wow. He's in like major wow. commercial. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, I'm my 70 houses. <laughs> <laughs> You're running like 80 crews. Okay. But um, he came up with something that's super cool. It's coming out the, the end of this month. And I am so excited to see new innovations, new things coming out, things changing because if we're just all stagnant all the time, it's, you know, we can't get better. There's ways to improve and there's ways to change. And there's ways that we can make better finishes faster. Yeah. Is there a product or tool that has really like helped you and alleviate a lot of any of the stress or anything on site over the last few years, like your favorite product or tool? Um, we use, automatic tapers. So a bazooka, we can't do Those what we do without so a bazooka. Rad. Yeah. 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 There's no so, way. I mean, that is, that is the end all be all of, geez. Um, that is the end all be all of our construction business. Like no tube, we're not getting those 70 houses done. So it's so been when, when you huge. first got started, were you hand taping everything? No, no. So I learned all with tools. So my dad ran all tools. Um, he usually had Let's see, usually two to three tubes running. So okay. he had a couple of different ones and then boxes, angle heads, um, everything. So he was all, all tools and then um, hand on, we'd hand finish corner beads, screws, um, and just some stuff like that, that you can't finish with tools. I gotcha. So give us a rundown of the drywall trade for those that are listening that may not know. From the time that a home is stocked, uh, is there certain people for a certain task? How does this, how does this work? Yeah. So typically you have your hangers that come in after, um, all of your electrical and plumbing, all of those inspections are done. So the walls are ready to get sealed up. So the hangers will come in and hang the drywall board. And then they're usually their own crew. It's sometimes you find hangers that are finishers. Most of the time though, hangers are just hangers and finishers are finishers. It just works better. So like for us, we have crews that come ahead of us and hang all the board and then get it all ready. And then typically, especially in the winter, we have to have the lid blown in. So we won't start it until the lid is insulated with um, that, you know, snowy like stuff. I can't think yeah. of what it, I don't know the exact name, but so then it's insulated and then we get heat. And then once it's warm, so like heat for us is super important. It's like negative six out right now. So everything has to be sealed, buttoned up and then electric heat. And then we come in and then we tape top skim. If it's smooth, then we do one more coat. And then if it's texture, we texture. And then we come back and um, detail sand the corner bead and angles and things like that. And then we're on to the next one. So are you guys subcontracting to the hangers or is it somebody else? The, the general that you're working for subcontracting? Yeah. Yeah. So he has, let's see, he has one, two, he's about three to four hangers that he's using right now, but okay. it depends. Yeah. It depends on how busy they are too. Cause sometimes they're doing other things. Um, 
And then sometimes we'll hang small stuff. Like if it's like a couple sheets or there's something that needs to be done, we'll jump in and, and like do very, very small stuff. But um, for the most part, those guys are banging up, you know, they're boarding a 200 board house in three days. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. They, they move. Yeah. Yeah. And we're just not that fast. <laughs> we're fast at finishing, but we're not fast at hanging. So. Have you, have you guys always done the, the finish work or when did you kind of migrate over to the finish? Uh, no, we've always done finish. So my dad was okay. only a finisher. So he got gotcha. to start in, um, Georgia, Atlanta. So I, we're originally from, um, Atlanta, Georgia. And then, uh, he was doing patchwork there. So for a company, that's all he did all day was smooth wall patchwork on apartments. And then he started his own company doing like small patches. And then we moved up here and then he subcontracted for a couple guys and then started his own business. But it was kind of been when we first moved up here, Bozeman wasn't as popular. It was growing, but he still had to like fill in with some odds and ends. And, um, but then stuff really took off like early, let's see, like early 2000s stuff got crazy. So I've seen, uh, you obviously post a lot of content through Instagram and everything. Um, you've also been on Matt Reisinger's, uh, the build show network, MT Copeland. Congratulations on that. I, I really wanted to kind of dive into just the content that you're creating, you know, like, what, what was your initial start? What has it been like working with the Build Show Network, MT Copeland, and kind of like, what do you hope to achieve with all, publishing all of this content? Definitely. So MT Copeland was amazing. I think I was not expecting it to be so, I don't know, it was crazy. Like you walk in and there's four cameras and camera guys and a sound guy and a mic guy, <laughs> and then you have the lighting guy. And I was like, hopefully, whoa, okay, whoa, let's go. Um, so that was, that was really fun. I was a little like, I had to get my, my feet underneath me. So like the first like half day I was nervous, but then we kind of got into a really good flow and that wound up being a really, really good course. Um, so I walk all the way through hanging all the way to finishing. And then I'm hoping we can actually add on because there's so much I didn't get to even with a full week of filming because drywall, that's just, there's a lot to get into. So, but I get into like all the different tools, what they all do. Um, and then some of my tips and tricks for finishing and then kind of the history of drywall too, because technically it's really not that old. Um, before all of this, like anything before probably like the 1930s is going to be lath and plaster. So drywall in and of itself is a newer product that some people just don't understand how it works. So kind of breaking down the system, why we use it and how it all works together to create, um, you know, the finishes that we have in our houses today and why it's a good choice. And then, um, yeah, I think I had, did I just finish? I think I just finished filming with Copeland when Reisinger reached out and, um, Joey is awesome. And then he is kind of like my handler with, um, with Reisinger. And then we film once a month and we do four videos a month. So that's all the same. Um, a lot more casual cause we're just on site and kind of dealing with ever, whatever we're dealing with on that current job. So, um, just kind of just breaking stuff down and showing people how we do it. Basically giving out all those secrets that you said the old timers aren't giving out. <laughs> you know what's funny? My dad actually called me and uh, he's like, yeah, so there is, there's this guy called, we call him big John. Cause he was big John. He was just big John. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's an older guy, big beard. He's been in the trade. Oh my God. I don't even know how long he's been in the trade. He's in his seventies now. And I've worked with him for a long time with my dad and, he said a guy from California called him and was like, Hey, you know who this drill shorty girl is? 
she's telling all of our secrets. So they oh, <laughs> that's like, good. I know. And he was like, oh yeah, she's great. Like she's an awesome finisher. And like, anyway, it was cute. I guess it's kind of getting around. I'm letting all the trade secrets out, but they don't need to be secrets. Abolish trade seen- secrets. Yeah. Copeland Copeland has ads running on Facebook with your your face all over it. Oh, yeah. Every yeah. time I see it, I'm like, hell yeah, that is freaking <laughs> awesome. The comments are always hysterical. You oh, go through it and read that it's a bunch of professionals. Yeah. Go here here <laughs> we know. go again. I know, right? It's like gone to the point where if you're not understanding what I'm doing and you're and you're saying you're a professional, I shouldn't have to walk you through the 50 steps that I just did to. You know, like you should have a, a pretty good understanding of how this all works. So yeah, um, that's kind of like, I don't know, but I really like to help people are just getting started. Um, people like I help homeowners a lot or people that are just trying to tackle small projects. So that's been really, really cool. DIY is popping off right now too. There's a lot of people that are at home trying to figure out how to do little things. And yeah. if you could figure out how to do some basics, you might as well do it, especially if you're not going to kill the house. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's a shortage too, or the prices are super high. Like we don't even get into remodels because we're too busy. We cannot, like there's yeah. no room for that. So those people are just left to figure it out on their own and just trying to be nice and, and kind of just help. And maybe, you know, maybe it'll lead them to a career in drywall or open it up a little bit. They won't think of it as being such like a dirty trade or that trades are dirty. Cause I feel like that's kind of just a general, like, oh, you're in construction, you know? That's still a pretty common stereotype there. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to build anything without the trades. I wanted to dive in and ask you a couple of things kind of around the content for anyone that, you know, maybe is new to hearing about you and maybe wants to learn about like the courses and everything for, but maybe let's just talk about the empty Copeland one. Like if someone were to go and check out this content or this course or anything like that, like what would they expect to find in the, uh, the video content that you were recording? So a lot of me, I'm sorry, I'm very sick of looking at my face all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, so what we do is we take it all the way from hanging all the way to finishing. So I break down all the different board thicknesses, where they should be used, the different types of board, what makes up drywall board. And then we go through proper ways to hang. Um, we go over what should be in your hanging bag, what kind of materials you need to be, you know, what, what kind of tools a finisher needs. And then we also go through, then we go through finishing. So all the way through what it looks like when it's raw to finished, and then just talk about that. And then we also talk about using automatic tools, how they run and then how to use those. By chance, do you, do you know what that course runs? How much it costs? I think it's two ninety nine, maybe to it's in the twos, I think. So with 258, maybe you could basically watch this and have a pretty damn good understanding of like, okay, is this something I want to do or not? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You could watch it and you'd be like, okay, I understand what I need to go buy. I understand the lingo. I understand how to mix my mud. I understand what to do and what not to do. And then I've had a lot of people, um, comment or private message me and been like, this course is amazing. Like there's nobody here that does this. We don't know how to do this. And now mm. we know how, because we've watched the course. Okay. So we're, we're going to put a link in the description, wherever you're watching this $225, five hours of content. That is awesome. Yeah. So by the end of yeah. it, you could basically tell yourself, okay, is this something I'm into or not? That's one yeah. of the hardest things is people are like, people look at the trades and they're like, well, I want to do this, but I don't even know what the hell it is. Like, you don't even know what the hell you're doing. Yeah. Oh yeah. And what I'm trying to do too, is like, 
make it so that if you show up on that job site and that your boss is like, you don't know what to bring, you know? And if you're watching this stuff, you at least know, Hey, I know what a pan and a knife is. I know what yeah. knife sizes I should be bringing with me. I know what a hawk is, what a trowel is. I know if he says, go get the plus three, I know what the plus three is. So just, um, it's kind of like just giving you a leg up, like getting rid of a couple months of that training and sticking it into a video. Now it's not going to make you the perfect drywaller, but it will but at it'll, least get it'll you. help prepare you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then by the end of the course, Lydia, there's like questions and everything that basically quizzes you on the information that you learned. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So I had to go through and write questions for the entire course and then what those, so there'll be like a Q and a afterwards. And then I believe it also comes with kind of like a summary of the whole course that's um, in paper that you can download. That's a PDF. Oh, that's awesome. And then there's links too that I've given them of tools and kind of what you should start with, what you can start with, and then also where to buy and purchase all of the different brands and different tools. That's awesome. You're on like course to your tool belt there. That's good yeah. for anyone listening that wants to check that out. We'll put the uh, plug the link in the description. And then for the, uh, the, the build show network, wanted to dive in on that. Is that just like a YouTube series that you're recording with Matt and those guys over there? Like what would someone expect if they were to, you know, search you up on the build show network? Definitely. So the build show network is completely different from what Matt does with build show. So essentially what he had planned was we'd have a network of builders. And mm -hmm. so there's architects on there. There's me, there's, um, a plumber, and then there's else is there? I think I'm the only female right now. And then there's a bunch of people that are really well known, like Brent Hull, who's written a bunch of books is like very into historical stuff. Um, he also does teachings and there's a bunch of really good architects on there. So what you can see when you go on the build show is pretty much just all of us talking. They're about, I want to say about three to 10 minutes long per video. And they're, and we just kind of pick a topic and discuss about it and then just kind of give you our knowledge. That's awesome. That's a great resource to have in your back pocket. Yeah. 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 So there's a lot of good stuff on there. So like I, um, I have one about how to use automatic tube, different mud consistencies, what kind of mud you should be buying. Cause you can go to the store and there's like 15 different kinds, whatever kind is. And Gotta then get the one with um, the smallest number to where it dries quicker. Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah, smaller number, but that's, that's for, um, easy sand, which is a chemical set mud. So that one starts reacting. The ones in the boxes, the premix, those are all air dried. See, we're learning things here. <laughs> I never would have known that. Yeah, I got yeah, different months, this different course. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what he think, thinks about think it. about that though, real quick for a sec. If you were a contractor and had somebody that you wanted to train, mm -hmm. you think running, I don't know, time and material right now is going close to a hundred an hour. That's two hours of pay. And instead you could just send their ass home, send them the course, $225 it's paid for. And they'll walk away with a lot more in that five hours of, of watching that than they would have had a week on site. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's where I think yeah. that stuff's really going to take off is you have all this content that's available online. People are eventually going to pay people to be at home and learn there and then come onto the job site knowing something. Well, you're less of a risk too. Um, you mm -hmm. know, you're not like you need to be wearing appropriate stuff when you're on the job site. You're not going to be walking on there and being like totally out of your element. At least you can kind of walk on and know basic instructions and lingo and kind of like start, you know, kind of get rid yeah. of that like initial like week where you're just standing around doing nothing because that's Asking what we, random, you know, random ass questions. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, the new guy that just follows you around. 
just like I love those. (laughs) Have you guys seen those videos on Instagram where like the guy comes running across and grabs like the end of something, but he's not actually carrying it (laughs) and then goes to the next guy. (laughs) Yeah. So you're in Bozeman, Montana. I have family up that way, actually in Bozeman right now. Oh wow! Um, And they've been telling me that the industry is booming, that they're they're killing it up there, and that it's not stopping. How does the housing market look to you? How how do you think things are going to be five to ten years out? Because I know the younger generation wants that security, knowing that they're going to be able to work and not end up on unemployment in two years. What, what do you think about the housing market? I think the housing market is not going to stop. Um, when you look at our generation in, you know, thirties, twenties, we're just all getting started and we all want to have houses. Yeah. So the way that it is right now, especially in Bozeman, um, it's built and it's sold usually for cash to the highest offer within a day. So houses are going on Holy the market. Shit. They're selling <laughs> over ass for cash. And these are new houses. New or old. And what's happening here is we have such a small supply of new houses, which I think is what's happening everywhere, Mm -hmm. that people that have houses aren't selling. So they're just sitting and they're not moving. And then the new ones are selling for cash to out-of-state buyers that are moving and relocating here. So it's a very tight market right now. It's Unless you have cash and you have over, you're not buying. Do you feel pretty confident in the market though for the next five to 10 years? I do. I don't, we here in Bozeman cannot build ourselves out of what we have at the current pace within 50 years. It's just not going to get there. Yeah. So, and I think that's everywhere though. I think a lot of people, they, they are sick of paying rent. They want to own houses and there's just not enough guys to be building the houses. So we have a massive shortage of workers and then all Mm -hmm. these people that want to buy. And if we actually want housing to be affordable, eventually we're going to have to have enough supply that, we're kind of meeting demand so that it's not, you know, super inflated. So you'd mentioned a lot of out-of-state people are migrating up there. Maybe my mental model of like Bozeman, Montana, because I haven't been there in years, but it was probably not like what it is today. Has that really shot up the prices of homes on new construction, the whole market? And like, how is that impacting other people? Because I would imagine, I, I could be totally wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine like the minimum wage is a lot different from like Washington, California to Montana. What does that kind of look like for housing affordability and everything? Yeah. So our median house price right now, I believe is close to 800,000 and it's double no since shit. COVID Holy started. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's over I wasn't eight. expecting yeah. that. And rent right now um, is, let's see, our neighbors just had their rent go up $500 a year. Uh, and then uh, uh, like a three bedroom, two bath house is renting probably for about $3,200 to $3,500 What the minimum. Wow. And for everybody that's applying, there's like a hundred people applying for the rentals. So if you are thinking of moving here, make sure you have your housing secured because What's happening is we have people that are now living on the street or in campers and it's freezing cold here. Like that's not mm-hmm. really doable. So, I mean, but it's people that are making good money. McDonald's is paying $20 an hour here. You can go flip burgers at McDonald's for 20 bucks an hour, but you can't have any place to live. So I think that's kind of sums up how everything's going is we, we badly need people in the trade to come and build, but how do you get them there if everything's so unaffordable? But yeah, you can't. Even we're at an interesting place. Yeah, that's pretty crazy to hear. I wasn't expecting those numbers. So my family, I'm sorry, moves from California. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> up there, that, that's a pretty common occurrence right about now. Yes. <laughs> they were telling me that it's quite a bit cheaper. Um, 
they they bought a couple years back so it was a little bit cheaper yeah but they have said that they're they're positive on equity quite a bit and that it's shooting through the roof left and right so that yeah. makes sense but that that is crazy to hear i wasn't expecting those numbers i was expecting mid five neither eight that is quite a bit yeah. So the, a lot of the houses that we do, let's see, we did one during COVID. It was a big custom. I have lots, I've, I've showed pictures and stuff of it on Instagram. I think it cost them a little under a million, about a million to build. And they wound up selling it, I think for 1.8 million a year later. And what, what are you there. talking square footage on this place? What, I mean. It was super modern, very custom. I think it was, it was one, two, three, four bedrooms. I want to say it was around 32 to 3,500 square feet of floor footage. That's ridiculous. So you're talking like $300 a foot to build. Yeah. There's one for sale right now. I just saw that it was $538 a foot. That's for sale. Because that's about where we're at in California. That's a crazy margin. Most, Mm -hmm. most people here, when you build new construction, you're, you're positive once it's finished but there's no way you'd be pulling a mill to 1.80 year later. That is insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotten really insane. And the hard part is it's not land. Um, so there's the real issue here of don't take away the farmland because we need, we need to keep it like, you know, Bozeman. Um, it's, it was really rural and agricultural. And what's happening is these people are selling off large plats and then people are upset, but nobody wants to build downtown because people don't want the infill. So then you have people mad that people are selling their, you know, thousands of acres, but people have to go someplace and people downtown get mad when they do infill. So then it's kind of like, it's probably a lot of growing pains right now. And and we're all over the news too. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, I'm glad I'm not on the city council. I'll say that. I'm glad I'm not the one deciding these rules (laughs) or making these decisions because you just can't win. Everybody's going to be mad at you. You've been there since you were young. So you've watched it change over the years. Yeah, I moved up here when I was 10. So I've been here for 27 years. That's got to be tough. You're seeing a lot of California fly in. Yeah, I know. What's cool is we have a lot more options. Like, okay, when I moved here, we didn't have a Target. Um, and we had just, what else did we not have? Target. Our mall was like from the, yeah, no Target. How do you not have Target? <laughs> That's a tough one. <laughs> And I moved from Atlanta. So there was like, you know, big malls everywhere, two-story malls. And there was all sorts of like shopping and take us here. I'm like, do we still ride horses to school? Like, I don't even know what to expect <laughs> from this. <laughs> like, do people have phones? Um, but it's been really good because there's so many small businesses. It's really easy to open a business here. So I think a contractor license, like our um, contractor exemption is like $180 every two to three years. So it's very easy to open a business here. So what's happened is there's so many people that come here and then like make businesses. So that's been great to see Um, a lot of small businesses. It's a great place to own a small business, but it's also, it's hard to make it here because it's just, it's very expensive. um, And it's just the costs have gone very high. So as long as you're in a good spot, like we've been at the same place we are for like I want to say four or five years and we rent and they're awesome and they know our family. So it's a great place to be, but it's like, I'm number one, I'm not paying that price for those houses because I know mm-hmm. what those houses are built like. And then number two, I'm just going to kind of like write it out and see if it equals itself out, but I don't think it's going to anytime soon. It's well, just, they just gone. announced yesterday that they're going to start hiking up rates in March. So uh, I'm really curious to see what it's going to do to the market. 
Um, yeah. things, are, things are booming here in California as well. And we're seeing those high prices, but I am starting to see a decline. Like um, I have property up in Oregon and I'm watching things start to kind of plateau and mm. things are sitting on the market for a little bit longer. So I'm kind of hoping things drop back down a bit, but nothing seems to be slowing down here in California. So I think that's I what a lot of people are doing. They're trying to sit and wait for a little dip so they can actually get back into the market. But that's, that's exactly what I don't I'm know if to that's right going to happen. You got to time it right. And they say you can't ever time the market. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens, but supposedly rates are going up in March. So we're going to find out this year. It's hard for those of us that are, you know, have families and that's how you build most of your wealth is from home ownership. But if you can't buy into it, then you can't yeah. do it. So you're yeah. just essentially like excluding a large group of people from being able to even afford anything. No, you're, you're sidelined for a long time. Yeah. I, w- I want to talk some more about the educational side of things, Lydia. You know, if someone were to get into the trade, what do you think like your best piece of advice would be? And like, how would you suggest them going about getting into a trade, maybe even drywall or any other trade? Yeah. Um, so for us, for drywall, usually, you know, like Craigslist, stuff like that, but a really good place to start looking is on your local boards at like your local drywall supply store. They usually have a pretty good beat of what's going on. So that's what I always tell people. They're like, how do I get started? Go stop by like your Sherwin-Williams, a drywall supply store. That's a specialty store that's local and small. And they'll kind of have like a beat of, oh yeah, we just dropped a ton of mud off with this guy and he's looking for help. Or um, sometimes they'll have like the pin boards and it'll have like looking for hiring people or people's cards on there. So that's always a great place to start, especially if you're just looking, getting into the industry. And then there's not a lot of people hiring in the area. That's always a good place to look. Um, and then I would say just show up. So many people don't show up. <laughs> they flake off. They don't show up when they're supposed to, they tell you they're going to do something and they don't. And when you get that reputation of not doing it, then people don't want to use you anymore, or they're not going to have you back on their jobs and you're not going to have consistent work. So you have to show up, even if you feel bad and you're just there for a couple hours, whatever it is. Like if you're going to, if you say you're going to do it, do it. Cause that's probably our biggest thing that we run into our industry is people saying that they're going to, Oh yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll finish it tomorrow. And you show up and nothing's done. So then you're waiting and you're sitting and the jobs push back and push back. So just being there is huge. And then as, as far as that goes, what can you expect to make? I, I know you're, you're different since you're a contractor, but what can an employee expect to make hourly, um, either hanging or taping or, or things based off of like piece pricing? Uh, we piece price, but that's also, it depends on if you're an employee or not. I would say around 30 to 45 an hour. And then if you're union, it's even more than that. Cause, um, the union had approached us about moving to Seattle and the pay there was close to $95 an hour after benefits for wow. each of us. That was a hard one. We were like, Hmm. <laughs> that's a lot. That's pretty good. And not being self-employed anymore. I know. Right. We were, we were really thinking about it, but, um, so yeah, it depends on what you're doing. Self-employed, like we make six figures a year on our own with our own stuff. And then that's just doing piece rate. So that's, you know, it took us a while to get there, but we're, we've been consistently six figures a year, probably for about five years. So there is room to make a pretty decent wage. Yeah, I would say being self-employed is probably your best bet, at least here. Um, yeah. I think wages are probably higher in different areas. And it also really depends on if you're union or not, too, because 
union offers a lot of benefits that, you know, us being self-employed, we don't have, but then we'd also, we're also self-employed so we can do what we want when we want to. So it's yeah. a trade-off. Yeah. Is, is there much union work up around Bozeman? I would imagine it's There's not... no union work. Yeah, no, yeah, no. So I we figured. have barely any unions here. Butte yeah. has more unions, which is north of us. So there's unions there, but there's no unions here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I figured. That's good advice. Show up. Yeah. If you can't do that, you have bigger <laughs> fucking problems. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's one of the biggest problems we've found as well. Yeah, it's sad. Like, just show up. Come to work. I don't know if show it's a lack time. of lack of drive or an overuse of drugs, but mm. we've seen the same exact thing with, with multiple different trades too. It's, I mean, even hiring subcontractors out here, you have people that will tell you they'll be there and they just never fucking show up. No, no, you it's, wait and wait. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. So yeah, show up and then listen too. I think that's sometimes what people really need to think about is if your boss is telling you to do something, don't argue, just listen and, and do what they're asking you to do. Like with, with drywall, it gets interesting because you get a couple of years under your belt and you think you know everything, but you have no clue yet. <laughs> you might think you know, but you don't know. So just and if be you're, humble. Uh, and if your boss isn't teaching you, go uh, yeah. watch Lydia's course. <laughs> <laughs> 225 bucks for five hours. That's well worth it. Yeah. Especially if your boss isn't teaching you. So at the end of every episode, we, uh, we do our thing called the fast five. So it's five questions to be answered in a sentence or less. You ready to wrap it up? Ready. All right, let's do it. So the first question is your favorite movie of all time is. Uh, John wick. Number two. If you could tell your younger self one thing before entering the trades, what would it be? Trust yourself. I like it. Number three, what is one thing that most people don't know about you? I used to um, have a nail block. I was really into to nails. I like it. Four, what is one part of your career that you wish could be automated? Cleaning floors. That's actually a really good one. Number yeah. five, what does bread to build mean to you? It means that there are other options for people that school is not the best choice for. There's some of us that are just bread to build. You got punchy answers. Answer. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Before we uh, let you off the hook, thank you so much for joining the Bread to Build podcast. Where can people find and connect with you? Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, not Twitter. I always want to say Twitter, but it's TikTok. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and then YouTube also, all under Drywall Shorty. I was like, what the hell do you tweet about? I'm not <laughs> tweeting about anything. <laughs> that's, that's hard. <laughs> Tweeting descriptions. Yeah. <laughs> if you'd like the well, visual format, visit here. Yeah, awesome. no, I don't tweet. I always want to say Twitter. I always, I don't know why. It's TikTok, it flows but... off the tongue so well. It does. You just yes. have to throw it. I, I haven't gotten used to saying TikTok at all. I know. I know. I want to say Twitter, but it's not Twitter. It's TikTok. All right. MySpace, my right? We're all on there. <laughs> Dude, some people have gone back to that crap. The, the musicians and stuff. No. That's it's, funny. No one does. I don't know who it's you're listening to, time. Matt. The, the good artist, Young Dolph. RIP. That is a great artist, by the way. Lydia, thanks so much for joining us on the 19th episode of the Bread to Build podcast a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. 
If you'd like to join us on the podcast, have topics that you'd like us to cover, you could always send us an email at bread to build podcast at gmail.com or private message us on any social media platforms. If you'd like to follow me on social media, you can find me on any platform at Brett Goen. We are Hammer, Builders of Insta. Matt, take it away. You can find me at Matt Bangswood across the board, all social platforms. Thank you guys for listening to the 19th episode. About to hit the big 2-0. We'll see you guys next time on the Bread Build Podcast. (laughs) 